Bienvenidos and welcome to the Voices Podcast. My name is Ana Lucia Lopez Reboredo, and I am your host. Today's guest is Mayor Grunberg. Mayor was born in Caracas, Venezuela, and moved to Miami, Florida at the age of seven with his family. He is a graduate of Florida International University with a BS in Digital Media Studies and currently works as a project manager for a full-service digital marketing agency in Miami called GEMS Business Solutions. Mayer grew up in an observant Jewish home, went to Jewish day school through high school, and spent a gap year in Israel with Tanuat Noir Maccabi before attending FIU. At the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, Mayer co-founded On This Day in Jewish History with his friend Isaac Simon, with the goal of documenting a daily dose of Jewish history that sheds light and context to the full and rich history that is the Jewish story. Additionally, Mayer and Isaac co-host and produce a podcast linked to the blog called The Two Tall Jews Show, which allows the duo to dig deeper into the stories and topics that don't fit into a social media post. Mayer is a storyteller, a history fanatic, and is deeply connected to Jewish spirituality. And he's also a person committed to making this world a better place. Welcome, Mayer. It's great to have you here. I'd love to give you the opportunity to share with our audience a little bit more about yourself and to give us a little bit of a peek into your cultural identity as a Latin Jew who was born in Latin America and grew up in the United States. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always an honor to be on other people's shows. So I was born in Venezuela. I was born in 2000, not 2000. I moved in 2003, but I was born in 1996. My Latin Jewish upbringing has been mostly in the house uh, or when I see family. I never went back to Venezuela. The, the situation was unstable and my parents didn't want us to grow up in that world. We moved to Miami, uh, a, a place where not just Venezuelan Jews also joined us from the community, but, you know, Jews from everywhere, Argentina, Colombia, uh, Mexico. And it, it didn't feel like we necessarily like left my, my connection to Venezuela, my connection to my Latin roots has, has really been like in the, in the confines of the home. Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy about that. You know, the food, the language, if it wasn't for my parents forcing us to speak Spanish at home, I wouldn't speak it probably definitely. And, and, you know, I, I always ask them stories about what Venezuela used to be like and because obviously it was a different world when they grew up and, and, and they'll share. And, and I've spoken a little bit about it on the show of how different it used to be. And in a way, I, I, I wish I experienced that, but I'm also happy the U.S. Is, has been a blessing. Thanks, Mayor. And I mean, it makes sense. You left Venezuela when you were seven. So you were old enough to have some memories, but really the sustaining of that culture had to have been at home with your family. So props to you, to your folks for, for making sure that you were able to have as much connection and as much ties to Venezuela as possible. So back to your parents, because you were just talking about stories that your parents tell you. And what was their history like in Venezuela? Were they born there? Were their parents born there? Uh, if you could share a little bit more about the history of Venezuelan jewelry, that would be awesome for our listeners. Yeah, so my parents lived there until they were 40. Uh, they, they, they were born there. My grandparents on both sides are from Central Eastern Europe, so Ukraine and um, Romania. Then they passed through Israel. Some of my family stayed. Obviously, Israel was another, was very different than it is now. They, Venezuela was taking in a lot of refugees at the time. There was already an established community of Ashkenazim and Sephardim even from before the war. Uh, my father actually did a documentary on the 
50th anniversary in the year 2001 called Valio La Pena. And it was about the, 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 the story of the Ashkenazi Jewish community from before the war. Cool. Thank you, Mayor. And, and thank you for that video recommendation. We'll surely want to add it to our website so that other folks can have access to learning a little bit more about a Latin American Jewish community. And of course, support your dad. So you left Venezuela when you were seven. Do you have any specific memories about Venezuela? If so, we'd love to hear them. There are, but at times I'm not sure if it's a memory or if it's like um, something that we've spoken about, a story or a picture or a video. My dad's a photographer, videographer, so he took a lot of videos of us before there was a phone. (laughs) Um, And I do have siblings, older siblings. They definitely have uh, more memories than me. I you know, I remember our last apartment. We had just moved in there as well. Um, it was actually funny enough. It was called, the building was called Aventura and we ended up moving to Aventura in Florida. <laughs> you know, I remember, I me- I left in the middle of first grade. So like, I remember like that, that feeling of like, oh, I didn't even get to finish first grade. We, I was very little. So they, they didn't really tell me like, we're moving to the US. They kind of said like, we're going there for a little bit. And then we ended up staying. Wow. Yeah, I think for anyone here who has, moved in their lifetime and has specifically moved as a child can attest to the traumatic experience of moving, of leaving something behind. And especially as a kid, when you don't really know, don't comprehend everything that's happening, but something big is happening and you feel it. So it's, it's really tough. And, and I really appreciate you kind of bringing up those, those conflicting feelings that you had as a kid, um, as you try to make sense of it today as an adult. So you leave Venezuela with your family and you make your way to South Florida can you tell us a little bit about the ways in which you begin to create ties with other Latin Jews who, like you, left their home country and moved to the United States? So we moved it to Hollywood, which is, and now it's a lot more Latin, but when we moved, there was very little Latin Jews here. And so I, a lot of my friends were, were American Jews. I, I rarely, I, I went to the Maccabia, the, the Maccabia games in, in the JCC, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really like with all those, with all those kids who had also come like me. And then when I went to Israel, I went to Shnatach Shara with Maccabi. I went not knowing what I was going on and it changed my life because I met Jews from literally all over Latin America. I was with Jews from Mexico and Guatemala. I didn't even know there were Jews in Guatemala. Um, I was with Jews mostly from Mexico, Colombia, Guatemala, and a couple from Miami. And then in the first half of the year, I was with Jews from the South. So Argentina, Brazil, Chile, who were finishing their year. And it really opened up my worldview of like, wow, like there's so many like strong Jewish communities in all these different countries. And for them, that gap year meant something else completely. So they were preparing and they were training themselves to go back to their home countries, if it's Mexico or Guatemala or Colombia, and to become madrichim and become counselors for their JCCs. And seeing that as an outsider, as like, I am, I was the gringo. Thank God I, I, there were a couple of kids from San Diego who were like, had a very similar upbringing than, of, as mine. They were born in Mexico, moved to San Diego. I know you asked, like, did it happen here in Miami, the hub of like Latin American Jewry? Uh, but no, it actually happened in in, in Israel. <laughs> well, that's pretty incredible as well. <laughs> and and to be fair, I actually don't think Miami is the hub for Latin Jewry per se. Having grown up in Southern California and seeing how diverse New York is and continues to be and becomes, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of places that could be seen as as hubs 
Certainly though, Miami is a hub for Latinos from all over Latin America who make their way there. So I'll I'll give that to you. (laughs) And I think it's really dope just to hear you talk about your experience being a gringo on a, you know, Israel program that was mostly for Latin Jews and how interesting that also is to be in a place where you have this historical connection to so many of the participants and yet also have a very cultural distinction. And that's where you grew up. So it's great to hear that you had people that joined that became your friends from San Diego uh, that were able to share a lot of the similar upbringing that you had. So let's switch gears. Let's talk passions. You are a history fanatic, a storyteller, and you're also the co-founder of On This Day in Jewish History. Give us a little bit of an insight on, on what it's all about, how it was that you got started. Are you an organization, an initiative? Please tell us all about it. So we're not an organization yet. We have, uh, right now we're, we're the Instagram page and we also have a website called jewishoriginal.com, which is, it's giving people an idea of where it's going to go. Hopefully by the time this goes out, we, we've created, we, we basically want to transform everything into a, a content media, a media publishing platform for Jewish content. So on this day in Jewish history, our goal is really to educate and to inspire and instill Jewish pride. Um, of course, we've had a lot of success on Instagram. And we're very happy about that. But at the end of the day, Instagram is just a channel. We could wake up tomorrow and our account could be gone. Our goal is to, to expand and to bring everything under that under, under one hub. For me, it's also the podcast is, is an amazing place to share because it allows us to have a conversation, allows us to go deeper. And um, there's only so much you can do with, uh, with a post and graphic. Right now, as it stands, our, our page, we try to post every day a new piece of content that happened on this day in Jewish history. Um, and then a part of the content connects it to something relevant to today. Awesome. That's really, really cool. And if you could just tell us a little bit more about what was it that really got you into the work? I've always had a passion for history in general. It's always been my easiest uh, subject when people say like, oh, I'm good at math and science. I was always good at history and writing. And Jewish history itself, it kind of emerged in the last three years. Books I was able to finish were either history books or Jewish history books. One specific one called Jewish Literacy by Rabbi Joseph Telushkin, I highly recommend. It's less a book and more of an encyclopedia. That was like my eye opener. It was one Shavuot a couple of years ago where there's a custom to stay up all night learning Torah and Shavuot. I stayed up all night reading his book. And that was when I was like, wow, I really love Jewish history. And there's, I went to Jewish day school. So like, I know so many of these things, but there's so many details that I missed. Um, and then I think it was a year later when COVID hit, I was listening to some history podcasts. I was reading a book about a biography about Golda Meir. And there was, there was a couple of events in there that I never knew about. Uh, the Evian conference was the one that I was like, wow, how did I not know about this? And I was like, how many more are there like this? Not just about the Holocaust, but about all of Jewish history. I found a couple of blogs. Orthodox Union has a blog of On This Day in Jewish History. Aish has a blog. And we just started accumulating. It used to be day by day. We would search and find something and be like, okay, we'll post about this today. And then we realized that if we want to be consistent, we're going to need a content calendar. We're going to need some volunteers to help us out, to help us build that content calendar. And it became pretty comprehensive. We have a very, I would call it thick because it's, if if it was papers, it would be very long, but it's an Excel sheet with like all the months and almost every day filled out multiple things a day. Sometimes we love to collaborate. I love to collaborate with other people that have similar, have a similar passion 
and thank God we're, we're beyond a year. So now we can actually just look back at our post last year, redesign it, add something, remove some stuff. And, and we don't have to, we don't have to work from scratch. That's right. You hacked the content creation. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really happy for, for you and for on this day in Jewish history. I think what y'all are doing is, is fabulous. It's an incredible way to connect, not just with history, but to create context around it. Uh, Cause I know that's really important to you and to Isaac. And so I really just congratulate you and, and the work that y'all are doing. So I'd love to switch gears here a bit and, or combine actually what we were talking about before when we just finished talking about now. And I'm just so curious how doing this work has brought you closer to your Latin Jewish identity, or perhaps it hasn't. And, and I'm just so curious, like where you are today, you know, we talked a lot about you as a kid and, and as a young adult prior to college, but where are you today on your Latin Jewish identity? And have you seen a shift in yourself? I, I used to feel bad about like not feeling Venezuelan, like as old, the older I got, because I was from there. And like, my mom is very proud. Like she says to this day, I would move back tomorrow. She loved it, you know, El Avila and Hebraica and all these different like amazing memories that she had are always, are always very fresh, but I never had that. It, it literally came down to like having arepas in the house going out specifically to get arepas or going out to specific to a Venezuelan place or speaking Spanish at home talking about my American friends as, as like othering them and saying, ah, look, gringo. you know, for me, like that was, that was, that's what it meant being Latino or being the guy that spoke Spanish. So if somebody came in and it's like, Oh, we need somebody to speak Spanish. Oh, like mayor, come here. At a, at a later point, I, I started appreciating Spanish music more. I don't think I would have had, like, I don't think I have some American friends that like Spanish music, but I don't think they like it the same way. Can't say I dance very well but i definitely have like good rhythm and that's because this this spanish jewish or latin jewish weddings will always have a good amount of latin music to dance to so don't think i would have had that if i grew up in a fully american environment i think everything you just said is something that people who immigrated to united states or to any country at a young age or who are children of immigrants can say is their closest tie to uh, their their home country or their parents' home country, and that's food and language. And speaking about language, what has it meant for you to speak Spanish? Like you, you said it in the beginning that if it weren't for your parents, you wouldn't know it today. So what has that now as an adult looking back, how has that contributed to your identity or ability to connect with other people? I'm very grateful to be able to speak another language well. Like sometimes I, I used to always think that some of my American friends were very like one dimensional thinking or um, ethnocentric uh, with certain things. So I'm, I'm very happy to, to have that perspective of like, not just as a Spanish person, but like as an immigrant. And I give my parents a lot of credit for that. And obviously, you know, we, we've been blessed. We continue to be blessed. And I think it's given me a good perspective. That's great. I, I love that perspective. And I think you're right. I think when you know more than one language, you're able to enter different worlds, almost like you're entering different ways of life. And it's true. Like when you speak another language, you're able to interpret so much more than just the language, like what's being said, but also what's not being said. So I love that, that drawing that piece to at times when you only know one language, how that might prevent you from seeing so much more than just your world. Now, with regards to the Spanish language, I, I want to transition a little bit to talk about your Abuelo Beni, 
you know, you use the term abuelo, which is, you know, the Spanish term for grandfather. And it appeared in your post that you never got to know him. So I'm so curious how, even though you didn't get to know him and you grew up in the States, why it is that you still call him abuelo and, and the connection you have to calling him abuelo. Around the time I was born, he was diagnosed. So um, I was two and a half or three and he passed away from ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. My dad has told me that he always saw like my growth as, as I grew, he, he degenerated when he could still move his feet. I would go on, try to go on his feet and he would like, he would like walk with me on top of him. And it's crazy because like <laughs> I get emotional and I don't, I, like, I, I can't explain why it happens all the time. You know, I feel like he's always, he's always there. Um, and, and I see him as like a, like a guardian angel, I, I, at least I hope, it, or at least the, the, his, his energy of like perseverance um, and like never saying no. Um, I, I hope I, I can, I can learn, I can learn from him in that sense. Totally makes sense. Thank you for sharing that. And we're holding your grandfather in our hearts. Absolutely. So since we're on the topic of Spanish, ¿por qué no cambiamos a español? Y me encantaría darte la oportunidad de decir cualquier cosa en el idioma que has mantenido en casa. ¿Qué es lo que quieres decir? ¿Qué es lo que quieres contarle a la gente de ti o de tu vida o de tu abuelo? Nos encantaría oír de ti. Bueno, siento que no respondí la pregunta de por qué usé la palabra abuelo. Es otra cosa que, que no, o sea, yo no, no lo pude llamar abuelo. No, o sea, yo, no, yo hablaba muy poco. Eh, o si hablaba decía palabras cuando se murió si no le hubiera dado ese ALS yo lo hubiera llamado abuelo Benny y él siempre ha sido abuelo Benny o sea, me lo describen como abuelo Benny entonces sin pensar eh, decidí usar la palabra abuelo eh, porque eso bueno eso es lo que era eh, y o sea yo estaba hablando con él en ese momento entonces quería quería hablar con él directamente y, y sentí que si usaba esa palabra me iba a conectar más. Sobre otro tema, a veces cuando estoy en un, en un grupo y soy, soy la única persona que no es de Estados Unidos, me he sentido así como que, ah, wow, o sea, me siento diferente, pero me siento diferente como de una forma buena, porque, no sé, pasé, tengo otra experiencia, pasé por algo diferente y, y no es un como la, la canción de en el show Weeds, like Little Boxes, Little Boxes. El tiki tag y Little Box, como que todo es igual y todo es perfecto y que te, venir de otro lugar, no tiene que ser Latinoamérica, pero venir de otro lugar te, te enseña que no, no todo es tan fácil. Y, y a veces aquí, porque en Estados Unidos las cosas son son muy buenas y el, el nivel de la calidad de vida es alta entonces a veces te olvidas eh, las dificultades gracias mayor muchas gracias thank you i really appreciate you being with us today and for being so open and honest about your experiences with some really hard events like leaving having to leave your home country immigrate to the united states at a very young age without knowing what was happening as well as your story with losing your grandfather and, and the impact that he's had. And I think it's been pretty amazing because all of those stories that you told have translated into beautiful outcomes, like the way in which you were able to find a new home in the United States. And as a result of speaking a different language, connect with so many different people from different parts of the world, serve as a bridge between 
folks who peers of yours during your gap year who were from Latin America and those that had grown up in the United States. And of course, obviously all of this kind of contributing to your passion for history and, and context and what's brought you here to, to do what it is that you're doing today with On This Day in Jewish History and your, your podcast, The Two Tall Jews. So super proud of what you're up to. And I hope that we're able to stay in touch and I look forward to meeting you soon. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I'm, I love going on other people's podcasts and I, I really appreciate it. And, and I, love, I love what you guys are doing and keep it up. Thank you, Mayor. Your story is a reminder that no two Latin Jewish stories are alike. And therefore, it is important that we continue to elevate as many Latin Jewish stories as possible. To all of our listeners, Thank you for your love and encouragement. We are thrilled to be back for a second season and we wouldn't have been able to do this without your support. New episodes will be released every Friday from October 1st through December 17th. For more information, please visit jutina.org. Gracias to Fuente Latina for being an incredible partner and co-sponsoring five episodes of season two of our Voces podcast. Los queremos mucho. Until next time, ciao.